Hello everyone, my name is Magicat. The art of storytelling has been a part of human history since the dawn of time. Everyone is a storyteller, and stories are all about life and the strange things that happen to us to explain what normally can't be explained. Here, on the Normal Strange and Amazing podcast, I will tell you stories that have been around for centuries, or stuff I make up, in hopes that all of you will share these stories or make your own as well. What's up guys, it's Magic Hat, and I am back. Sorry for the delay, but it was Memorial Day weekend, and I was just uh, hanging out with my family, and I totally forgot about uh, recording podcasts, and it was like late, so I, I know I have done some late. I was like, oh, I, I don't want to do this time, I'm really tired, so I didn't do it. But that's okay, I'm doing it now. I was going to tell a different story, but I looked and found this one, because it's more interesting and a little bit longer. Uh, this is about the legendary Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, uh, one of the most notorious mythical creatures uh, known to man, I would say. If you don't know Bigfoot, then you have been living under a rock, I would think, because he's he, she, whatever it is is very famous in the mythical world. There's so much stuff about Bigfoot and Sasquatches, and it's pretty crazy. So I'm going to read you a story about the Sasquatch and urban legend, and we'll see how that makes you feel about it, and then I'll read a bunch of information about Sasquatches. So without further ado, here's the story, Sasquatch. I got up at the crack of dawn and drove to Larry's place to pick him up. We were going hiking along our favorite trail to the back of beyond. It was a sunny day, but not too hot. A perfect day for hiking. Larry and I walked along the rugged path leading into the woods, chatting off and on as the mood struck us. The path narrowed a bit as we neared the creek. I surged out in front, listening with enjoyment to the sound of the water flowing in the creek and the chirping of the birds overhead. A strange, rotten smell drifted through the air. I wrinkled my nose as I rounded the bend and then stopped dead in my tracks. Standing beside the water of the creek was a huge, ape-like figure with a hairy body, long arms, and a flat brown face. Its eyes were round and dark. Its ears were small, and its nose was flat. I gasped aloud, then Larry cannoned into me from behind, nearly knocking me over. The creature fled into the woods. Hey, watch it, Larry said. Why did you stop like that? Uh, Sasquatch, I gasped. What? Larry asked. I just saw a Sasquatch. I said as soon as I regained my breath. Larry was skeptical about my sighting, to say the least, so I walked over to the place where the Sasquatch had been standing and pointed at the ground. A set of 16-inch footprints led off towards the trees. The strides were a good four foot in length, and the footprints were deep enough to be those of a creature weighing several hundred pounds. Larry crouched beside the footprints, studying them intently. I kept my eye on the woods where the Sasquatch had disappeared. Sometimes they lingered in an area watching humans with as much interest as we watched them. 
Then he jumped up and followed the footprints into the woods. I stared after him in amazement. Only an utter fool would follow such a large creature right into his home territory. I trailed after him slowly, ready to run if there were any sign of trouble. As I did, I caught another width of rotten garbage. The ground is too hard here for any clear prints, Larry called back to me. It looks like it went into these bushes. He parted the bushes and came face to face with the Sasquatch. Larry gave a strangled yell, which was echoed by an equally startled howl by surprise from the Sasquatch. Early took off like a took off like a rocket, heading back towards the car. The Sasquatch ran away in the opposite direction. I stood, sh I stood shocked, still staring bemusedly first at the fleeing Sasquatch and then at my fleeing friend. At his persistent rate of speed, I estimated that Larry would make it back to the car in under an hour. I looked again at the Sasquatch. It leapt over a creek in a single bound and disappeared into the trees. The smell of rotten garbage faded away. I shrugged my shoulders philosophically and started back down the trail towards the car, pondering my first, very first Sasquatch sighting. As I neared the car, I saw Larry sitting in the front, drinking his way steadily through a six-pack. I grinned to myself. The next time I told Larry that I had seen a Sasquatch, he wouldn't be so skeptical. Then again, knowing Larry, I was not so sure. I chuckled at the memory of Larry and the Sasquatch fleeing from one another and got into the car to drive my shaken friend home. So that was a little bit of a funny story about a Sasquatch. Most of the stories I've ever heard were kind of a little terrifying, but it wouldn't make sense because a lot of animals, if you consider Bigfoot an animal, are just afraid as humans as we are afraid of them. Also mentioned in the story, he said that Sasquatches stare at humans just as much as we stare at Bigfoots and stuff like that. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of insight on the Bigfoot if you're not very familiar. Because I know some people aren't. They just know it's some large hairy creature that lives in the woods somewhere. But I'll give you background, a little bit of his description, uh, a little bit of history. And then I can get into some other stuff too like the Yeti which is a little bit different, but I'm still going to describe it anyway because whatever. But here's stuff about Sasquatch. So in North American folklore, Bigfoot or Sasquatch are said to be hairy, upright, walking, ape-like creatures that dwell in the wilderness and leave footprints. Depictions often portray them as a missing link between humans and human ancestors or other great apes. They are strongly associated with the Pacific Northwest, particularly Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia, and individuals claim to see the creature across North America. Over the years, these creatures have inspired numerous commercial ventures and hoaxes. The pearl nouns Bigfoots and Bigfeet are both acceptable. Folklorists trace the figure of Bigfoot to a combination of factors and sources, including folklore surrounding the European wild man figure, folk belief among Native Americans and loggers, and cultural increase in environmental concerns. A majority of mainstream scientists have historically discounted the existence of Bigfoot, considering it to be a combination of folklore, misidentification, and hoax, rather than living animals. A minority, such as anthropologists Grover Krantz and Jeffrey Meldrum, have expressed belief in the creature's existence. So scientists, mainstream scientists, would have said that Bigfoot doesn't exist. But still, yet, there is evidence 
and sightings that a lot of science can't really explain. But I'll read you a description. So people who claim to have seen it describe Bigfoot as large, muscular, bipedal, ape-like creature, roughly 6 to 9 feet, 1.8 to 2.7 meters tall, covered in hair, described as black, dark brown, or dark reddish. The enormous footprints of which the creatures are named are claimed to be as large as 24 inches and long and 8 inches wide. Some footprint casts have also contained claw markings, making it likely that they come from known animals such as bears, which have five toes and claws. So, doesn't say anything here about a nasty smell, but some people do say when they see a Bigfoot, they like they take like a good whiff of the air, and it's it smells really bad. Uh, I know there's one show I used to watch that did a lot about Bigfoot stuff. And they also did a lot of um, Bigfoot calls, which they would like yell and stuff in the woods to get a Bigfoot to call back. So that's another interesting kind of side note there. Um, a little bit of the history of the legend. So according to David Daigling, the legends predate the name Bigfoot. They differ in their details both regionally and between families in the same community. Ecologist Robert Pyle says that most creatures have accounts of human-like giants in their folk history, expressing a need for some larger-than-life creature. Each language had its own name for the creatures featured in the local version of such legends. Many names meant something along the lines of wild man or hairy man, although other names describe common actions that it was said to perform, such as eating clams or shaking trees. Chief Michelle of the Na Nalka Pamuks at Lytton, British Columbia, told such a story to Charles Hiltout in 1898. He named the creature by a Salishan variant meaning the being the bean-faced one. Members of the Lumi tell tales about Tetsumakwe's, the local version of Bigfoot. The stories are similar to each other in general description of Tissamaquays, but details differed from various family accounts concerning the creature's diet and activities. Some regional versions tell of more threatening creatures. The Sitaya or Kwikwai were a nocturnal race. Children were warned against saying the names, lest the monsters here come to carry off a person, sometimes to be killed. In 1847, Paul Kane reported stories by the Indians about Skunkums, a race of cannibalistic wild men living on the peak of Mount St. Helens in southern Washington state. So on and on, it talks about all these different uh, names and stuff of Bigfoot and descriptions of wild men and hairy men. But then also, you know, there's been uh, a lot of hoaxes and stuff to like fake it i do want to read it's a very small paragraph to uh misidentification of bigfoot because you know a lot of this stuff is very famous so in 2007 the bigfoot field research organization which i'll link the website in case you're very interested put forward some photos which they claimed showed a juvenile bigfoot the pennsylvania game commission however said that the photos were of a bear with mange 
However, anthropologist Jeffrey Meldrum and Ohio scientist Jason Jarvis said that the limb portions of the creature were not bear-like. They were more like a chimpanzee. So they have a photo uh, of it, and it looks weird because the limbs are very long, but you can't really tell what it is. It's something. I'll tell you that much. But there's been many hoaxes of Bigfoot and stuff and all this other scientific stuff. So if you're interested in that, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. And also, if you're interested, the Oregon Wildlife talks about it as well. Uh, they give some description. Uh, oh, and I do want to read this in case you want to help Oregon Wildlife with Sasquatch. It says, why does it need our help? If there really is a Sasquatch out there, there's definitely more than one. And in order to maintain a healthy breeding population, a species of hominoid, as Sasquatch is assumed to be, would need extremely vast expanses of uninterrupted forests. Places like the Mount Hood Wilderness and other wilderness areas would be prime habitat for Sasquatch. So if there are any out there to protect, making sure Oregon's forests get the protections they need to stay pristine and untouched is of the utmost importance. One particular Organian Sasquatch aficionado featured a blog post earlier this year about the importance of protecting Sasquatch habitat and featured a video with Oregon Wilds' Eric Fernandez. So, if you want to sign up to protect wildlife and Sasquatches, I'll put it here. And they also have a link to the famous footage of Sasquatch from 1967. Uh, it's like the first, like very, it's like very clear uh, imagery of Sasquatch moving in the forest. Is it real? I don't know. That's for you guys to figure out for yourselves. And now I'll read a little bit of the Yeti. So a lot of things about the Yeti is that it's usually kind of different. The legends are different, and it's not really considered uh, a Sasquatch. They, that's why it's called a Yeti. So I'm going to read stuff about that so that you guys, I guess, can kind of figure out the difference. Sometimes uh, it's not like a lot of difference. It's just that one. It's just like the area that it's in. But I guess if you ever find one, you can probably we can probably figure out the differences. But without further ado, I'll give you some information about the Yeti. So the Yeti or Bonneville Snowman is a folkloric ape-like creature taller than the average human that is said to inhabit the Himalayan mountains. The names Yeti and Meite are commonly used by people indigenous to the region and are part of their history and mythology. Stories of the Yeti first emerged as a fact of Western popular culture in the 19th century. The scientific community has generally regarded as Yeti as a legend, giving lack of evidence of its existence. In one genetic study, research matched DNA from hair samples found in the Himalaya with a prehistoric bear from the Pelistocene Epoch. All right, so that's a little bit, not enough, not a lot of legends, I guess, known. Uh, there's definitely a lot of names for the Yeti. And I'll read you this section of the Abominable Snowman. The name Abominable Snowman was coined in 1921, the same year Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Burry led the 1921 British Mount Everest reconnaissance expedition, which he cr 
chronicled in Mount Everest Renaissance 1921. In the book, Howard Berry includes an account of crossing the Lakpala at 21,000 feet, where he found footprints that he believed were probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather than those of a barefooted man. He adds that this Sherpa guide he adds that his Sherpa guides at once volunteered that the tracks must be that of the wild man of the snows, to which they gave the name Matokangmi. Mato translates as man bear, and Kangmi translates as snowman. Confusion exists between Howard Berry's recitation of the term Matokangmi and the term used in Bill Tillman's book, Mount Everest 1938 where Tillman had used the words mech, which does not exist in the Tibetan language, and Kogmi when relating the coining of the term abominable snowman. Further evidence of mech began in misnomer is provided by Tibetan language authority Professor David Snellgrove from the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London, <sighs> who dismissed the word mech as Impossible because the consonants TCH cannot be conjoined in the Tibetan language. Documentation suggests that the term Mech Kongmi is derived from one source from the year 1921. It has been suggested that Mech is a spell is simply a misspelling of Matol. The use of Mbottomal Snowman began when Henry Newman, a longtime contributor to the statesman in Calcutta, writing under the pen name Kim, interviewed the porters of the Everest Reconnaissance Expedition on their return to Dare Jailing. The new Newman mistranslated the word meta as filthy, substituting the term abominable, perhaps out of artistic license. As author Bill Tillman recounts, Newman wrote long after in a letter to the Times, the whole story seems such a joyous creation, I sent it to one or two newspapers. So that is the whole history and stuff of the name of the abominable snowman. And then, you know, a lot of the other information. Okay. Excuse me. And then a bunch of other information and possible explanations of the abominable snowman. But as you can see from, I guess, the scientific evidence that they did say about the DNA, it probably isn't like an ape-like creature it may be a prehistoric bear that's still alive i guess it could be or you know it's just it's just folklore i hope you guys enjoyed all this information though about yetis bigfoots and sasquatches and stuff it's all of it's very interesting and i will be putting a link about the uh, bigfoot field research organization in case anyone is uh that interested so, and it, it has a little map here of the sightings. So, on the West Coast, uh, California. Oh, these are 2019 expeditions. Ah, so they're going to have one in California, one in Colorado and New Mexico, two in Oregon, three in Washington, one in British Columbia. I think that one is Montreal, but do not quote me on that one. I do not know. Uh, one in Missouri, three in Georgia, one in New Jersey, one in Ohio, one in Massachusetts, and they'll also have one in Vermont. So if you're interested in joining these expeditions, I will definitely uh, leave a leave the link here 
And I do want to read, at least from my home state, uh, the number of sightings from North Carolina, which is where I live, is 97. But that compares nothing to the most here, which is in Washington State. And the number of listings is 664. That is a lot. Okay. Whether it's all real, I don't know. But there's a lot of sightings. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. I will be having an episode tomorrow. Uh, This has been The Normal, Strange, and Amazing. My name is Magic Hat, and thank you for listening.